0: to the feminist history party you've been waiting for. This
1: is Nevertheless, She Existed. This is the podcast about the women of history who are underappreciated, overlooked, or sometimes completely forgotten about.
0: That's right. The stories you'll hear on this podcast are recorded live in New York City at Caveat, your favorite speakeasy that gets you a little smarter and a little drunker on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. On each episode, we invite kick-ass storytellers, comedians, academics, and scientists who are literally and figuratively out of this world. That's right. It's 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 our Celestial Celebration, our Galactic Gala, our star-studded Saturnalia, our Woman in Space series. My name is Kylie, and Molly, you're my supernova girl. Aw, my name is Molly, and Kylie,
1: you're my coronal hole. (laughs) Uh, And heads up, everyone, my coronal hole is very sick. I am. (laughs) We went to Charlotte this weekend to tour a show, and my voice is gone. (laughs) Um, We're all rooting for her. As well as these
0: women you're going to hear about tonight, huh? (laughs) See, I can do this alone. I don't even need you, Kylie. Hey. <laughs> Just kidding. I love you. Um, you guys, this series is going to be a blast off. Huh? See, Kylie? That was good. <laughs> uh, we're celebrating the kick-ass women astronomers, scientists, astronauts, and stargazers of history All the gals of the galaxy, if you will. Um, and we had an awesome partner for the live show, Science Friday. We sure did. If you guys don't know Science Friday, you should. They're the show that you can listen to on public radio for news and really fascinating stories about science and more than just the show they also produce award-winning videos articles and educational resources
1: so that we can all be less dumb and more interesting this show made my cold dead heart all warm and fuzzy like we were flying next to the sun okay the space metaphors are getting a little labored already like they're struggling against 9.807 meters per square second of gravity Okay, since you're sick I'm gonna let you do all the space
0: metaphors you want. Thank you. But don't get used to it. Okay. <laughs> so since the dawn of time, humans have been looking up to the heavens and thinking, what are those little blinky things up there? Stars, dummies, they're stars. My mom actually used to tell me that stars were God's freckles. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, it's made up. (laughs) I thought it was cute, though. I'll tell it to my non-existent kid. You should. So women were less encouraged to follow their astronomical curiosity and told to keep your head down and leave the infinite to the men. Women don't belong in STEM and ladies have no place in the cosmos. But... You know, if that was true, we wouldn't have mapped the night sky or confirmed the existence of dark matter or had a lesbian in space. We have, right, Sally, right, your
1: partner room, 27 years. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fact. <laughs> Here's the thing. You can lock a lady out of an observatory, but you can't stop her from looking up. And we've been looking up ever since we got those cool things called
0: necks. Yes, truly. 4,300 years ago in Mesopotamia, there was a space priestess, astronomer, poet, and that is her official job description. Write it down. (laughs) Named Ed Hedwana. Uh, This is a bit you need to know. Get ready for a lot of firsts. First recorded scientist, first recorded poet, first non-anonymous author ever, first female ever recorded, first person
1: to write in, first person, first is a weird word, Now first first. It sure is, Molly. Ed Hedwana was thirsty for first. She was well-versed in first. I want a thirst for verse t-shirt. <laughs> Nailed it. A real Dr. Seuss moment. Nailed
0: it. Uh, Ed Hedwana made accurate astronomical predictions, tracking the moon and stars and seasons to help aid in agriculture. She was the priestess of the moon goddess Inanna to whom she wrote very sexy poems to. Uh, In one line, she says of Inanna, Lady of the blazing dominion, Queen of all
1: the me. Two excellent drag King names in there or inspirational posters in your therapist's office. Do those choice. <laughs> okay, I need to get a therapist first. <laughs>
0: uh, Kylie, I also have a confession. For every show that I research, I always search the name of the woman we're talking about and then just add gay <laughs> question mark. <laughs> I know that I'm never going to know for sure, but a girl can dream. And it worked with Sally Ride, so... Keep up the gay gumption.
1: Gay gumption? Terrible drag kingdom. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Already taken. Okay.
1: Already
0: <laughs> uh, so, female astronomers had a solid streak through antiquity that continued in ancient Greece because that civilization made the risky move to test out the crazy theory that women might just be people. Whoa. Yeah, whoa. And they educated some women. Can you believe? Tell me about it. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) well, uh, one of these women was named Theano. She was born in Italy in 546 B.C. and married to, get ready for this, Pythagoras. Yes, ladies. That's right, ladies. We're talking about that Pythagoras. Wham, bam, triangle man. (laughs) Keep your algebra on. It's Mr. A squared (laughs) plus B squared equals C squared. Woo. Okay, I need a little towel. Um, <laughs> but it's not about him, it's about Theano, who was brilliant, and she wrote books on cosmology and the construction of the universe. So after Pythagoras' death, she took over and ran the Pythagorean community that they lived in, which was kind of like a scientific commune that collectively produced a lot of groundbreaking work. Uh, Aristotle would actually borrow a lot from this Pythagorean community, except for respect for women? Hmm? Yeah, Um, so Aristotle's Lyceum was not open to women, and it was he who said, and I quote, female is nothing more than a deformed male.
1: Boo! Boo, yeah.
0: uh, He also thought that the earth was the center of the universe, and that eels don't reproduce, they just spontaneously generate from the mud, so who's the fucking
1: idiot now? (laughs) Okay? 900 years after Theano, in 250 AD, Hypatia was born in Egypt. She taught at the world-famous Great Library at Alexandria. She wrote so many books, charted the sky, and was a beloved teacher of astronomy, philosophy, and mathematics. Students would come from all over the world to study with her. She was a chill pagan who loved everyone, and everyone loved her. Love a pagan. So, of course, she was brutally murdered by a gang of angry Christian zealots. Mm. They weren't so into her being smart, pagan, and a lady. Accounts say she was beaten with stones, cut with clamshells and pottery shards, and her body burned. Unfortunately, the death of such a beloved intellectual teacher foreshadowed what was to come. Scientific study came to a grinding halt. There was no significant progress in the Western world in math, astronomy, or physics for a thousand years. Uh, that is a massive bummer kylie um but on
0: a positive note i just learned that apparently rachel weiss played her in a movie in 2009 (laughs) i did not know this and i'm immediately adding it into the queue of my historical feminist spank bang uh what else is in that queue molly so do you remember that guy, Aristotle? <laughs> we're just going to move on, power through. Uh, so Aristotle is long gone, but at this point, the church kind of started liking his ideas about the earth being the center of the universe and women not being people. So enter the Dark Ages. And it was bad, so bad. Everyone is miserable. Women were shut out of everything, including astronomy and science, except for a few sneaky nuns who managed to study it. But they were also bad, but like sneaky sexy bad. shouldn't be doing that Um, so I'm just gonna fast forward out of the death and diarrhea that was the dark ages and launch us into the enlightenment yes we made it the scientific revolution we get the microscope and the telescope we get progress we get Copernicus, Galileo (laughs) Newton, Herschel, Kepler the 96 bulls of astronomy they cannot be stopped Buy their sneakers now. Um, The reason why you know these guys and you don't know women astronomers from this time is that they were busy assisting the men. What? I know. In the 18th century, there was a more home-based model of research where male astronomers and scientists would be assisted by their wives, daughters, sisters, neighbors, you know, any woman that was around.
1: (laughs) Hey lady, come (laughs) tell me look at this telescope.
0: (laughs) So, of course, women couldn't vote on property or file patents or wear pants, so fuck it, sure honey, I'll let you take credit for the comet I discovered right after I iron
1: your pantaloons again. Uh, You know, there's basically just lots of passive aggression in (laughs) these houses so much we'll end this deep dive with a quote from mariah mitchell born in nantucket in 1818 she had been using her dad's telescope to discover comets since she was a young girl she became the first professional astronomer in the u.s ardent feminist poet philosopher and radical badass she said in my younger days i used to say how much women need exact science But since I have known some workers in science who are not always true to the teachings of nature, who have loved self more than science, I say, how much science needs woman? Yes. Damn. Damn straight, Mariah. Or damn gay. Google will not tell me.
0: Maybe one of our listeners will. Tweet us. (laughs) So we're about to hear the story of Caroline Herschel, 19th century astronomer, ironer of many a pantaloon for her brother and a badass who inspired so many women in astronomy from Mariah Mitchell to our current storyteller, Moya McTeer. You'll hear her story right after the break.
1: Merch, bitches! It is late stage capitalism season! Yes! We got merch! Merch, merch, merch! merch. merch. Hey, Molly, mm-hmm. who in their right goddamn minds oh. would not want a tote bag with the NSE logo on it? No one I know or would want to be acquainted with, or a bitches don't sink tank top. What? Yes. Yeah. I'm really excited to get that (laughs) I cannot wait I honestly can't wait I'm so excited Um, We got caveat t-shirts and more So head over to caveat.nyc slash merch uh, and do your duty to support us Because if you don't buy this merch you hate women (laughs) (laughs) Seriously though if you love the podcast buying things is a great way to support and it just helps us keep sitting in this basement talking about ladies We wouldn't want to support that yeah so buy merch buy merch welcome back folks you're about to hear the story of caroline herschel as told by moya mcteer
2: hello all oh, so many friendly faces not too many i didn't stack the room <laughs> Um, so my favorite fairy tale is Donkey Skin. I highly encourage you all to look it up when you leave here uh, or at intermission. But, um, what's, what's your favorite fairy tale? Uh, <laughs> you don't have, sh- shit. Um, <laughs> what's, what's your favorite ta- fairy tale, Ray? Probably Alice in Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland? All right, I'm going to ask one more person. I, I like your hair because it reminds me of a Christmas tree. So what's your favorite fairy tale? Um, The Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid. Great. All right, so, um. That's going to set the theme for the night, uh, fairy tales, or the theme for the next 10 minutes. So once upon a time, specifically on March 16th, 1750, Caroline Herschel was born. Um, she didn't look like that when she was born. Um, she was born in Hanover, Germany. Uh, this was a time when the enlightenment was really starting to take hold in Germany. so uh, French culture was not so popular in German high society anymore. And it was a time when Germans were starting to develop their own art and music and poetry. Caroline lived with her father, Isaac, who had been injured in the War of Austrian Succession and so was making a living as a musician. He played the oboe, um, which is a really cool instrument that sounds really awful, so (laughs) I I don't imagine he made much money. But he he loved his children, all of them. Uh, And so he made sure to teach all of his children, including the girls, how to read and write. Caroline's mother, on the other hand, was wicked and cruel. She was a stone-cold bitch. Uh, when Caroline was 10, she contracted typhus, which I, I, I didn't know about, so I looked it up, and it turns out you, you can get typhus from louse poop which is gross. Um, but Caroline got typhus when she was 10. Uh, she survived and uh, the disease left her with some some pretty bad consequences. Uh, it took most of the vision from her left eye and so later on in life she was really worried that she was gonna go blind, uh, which is really impressive considering the fact that she eventually became an astronomer. Uh, Everything we know about the universe comes from light, and now gravitational waves. But back then, it came from light. Uh, It also stunted her growth, so she never grew past 4 foot 3. She was a tiny woman. Um, And so her mother, after Caroline recovered, added insult to literal injury by telling her that she was now too ugly to ever get married, and that the only way she would ever be able to eke out a living was as a house servant. And so she uh, made Isaac stop teaching Caroline how to read and write and do math, Isaac still did sneak some lessons while Anna was away or when Anna wasn't looking, but um, you know she then knew less than her brothers did. Uh, unfortunately, Caroline's father died when she was 17, leaving her in the care of her mother and her oldest brother, whose name doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, and and for four years Caroline lived with her mother. Um, cooking and cleaning and taking care of the house for free, uh, every once in a while, Caroline tried to escape to the neighbor's house and learn how to sew. Um, that way she might be able to make her own living as a seamstress, but uh, Anna found her, dragged her back, and made her like clean some dishes. Um, she lived like that for four years until her fairy god brothers, uh, William and Alexander, came and invited her to live with them in England, where William, taking after his father, had kind of made a name For himself as uh, an organ player and as a choir master. So he invited Caroline to come live with him. He really took her under his wing. He taught her how to speak English, he taught her how to read, he taught her uh, basic arithmetic. It's a quick, interesting aside because she learned math so late at this point. She's 21. Uh, Caroline never really mastered her multiplication tables. And so for the rest of her life, she carried around a little cheat sheet uh, telling her what all of the the answers to the multiplication tables were. And that's what she used when she was doing her observations. Um, so he also taught her how to sing. She learned how to play the harpsichord. She learned how to dance. Uh, and so she actually started performing in some of William's concerts. Over the years, she worked her way up to um, first position. She got solos as a singer. And she was a big fucking deal. Like she was really talented. Uh, after a 1778 performance of Handel's Messiah, she got offered a position as a singer in the Birmingham Festival. And I don't know much about the Birmingham Festival, but I, I like to think that it was like the 18th century version of Coachella in, in England. Um, so I'm going to say that this was a really big deal for her. Um, and she turned it down. She did. She turned it down because she didn't want to perform in a choir that wasn't led by her brother. She, she loved her brother. She was really loyal. So she turned it down. Uh, And around the same time, the proverbial clock struck midnight when William decided he didn't want to be in music anymore. He wanted to be an astronomer. Uh, This was a time when men could just decide they wanted to totally switch careers uh, because you didn't have to go to school for eight years to become an astronomer. You could just buy a telescope or make one yourself and look at the night sky and discover something new. So that's what he was doing. Uh, This was his passion that he decided to make his career. And he taught Caroline everything that he knew. Uh, He taught her about space, about how the planets orbited. He taught her how to make telescopes and so she helped him make telescopes that they both used to observe the night sky. She knew just as much as he did. Remember, he didn't have any formal training, but she uh, couldn't do a lot of this serious astronomy work because she was forced to take care of William and his household. Uh, And she actually wrote in one of her memoirs that she was, and I quote, constantly obliged to feed him by putting the victuals by bits into his mouth. (laughs) She was literally spoon feeding her brother while he was working so he wouldn't have to take a break from his precious mirror grinding. Uh, and despite that, despite the fact that she had to split her time and attention, she was still discovering comets. She, she discovered her, her first new nebula in 1783 and her first new comet in 1786. And the next year, King George III offered her an annual salary of 50 pounds, uh, which is about 6,000 pounds by today's standards. And I know that sounds like not much money because it, it isn't much money. Um, and I'm a grad student, so that's, that's <laughs> saying a lot. Um, so it sounds like not much money, but William Herschel was King George's like private court astronomer, and he only made 200 pounds per year. Uh, so the moral of the story is that King George uh, really underpaid his his uh, employees, um, but also that this was the first time Caroline was making her own money. Um, this was the first time in recorded history that a woman was getting paid for doing work as a scientist. And so this was the time in Caroline's life when she could say that she had officially escaped the fate that her mother wanted for her, which was a really big deal for her. Um, A big deal for everyone. So she she continued finding comets. She found eight in total. She found nebulae, which are clouds of gas where stars are born. Uh, She made catalogs of the positions of stars that she observed in the sky. And actually, one of her catalogs, the new general catalog, is still used by modern astronomers to identify star clusters in the night sky. It's really exciting. Um, William died in 1822. I don't know why. Uh, Again, it doesn't matter. But after he died, uh, Caroline continued doing observations. She continued doing badass science. Uh, She made catalogs. She even helped William's son, John Herschel, uh, when he decided to take up his father's mantle and become an astronomer in his own right. And so she actually helped him learn a lot of the astronomy that he knew. Um, So she, even beyond the comets that she is, you know, named for for discovering she was really influential in the field of astronomy because she trained other people uh, her her accomplishments got her a lot of medals, a lot of acclaim. Uh, She won a gold medal from the Royal Astronomical Society in 1828, Uh, that's the the astronomy society in England. Uh, She became an honorary member of this same society in 1835. She was the first woman to do so, big deal. Um, She was also named an honorary member of the Royal Irish Academy in 1838. And in 1846, she was given the gold medal for science by the King of Prussia. Um, I I really can't emphasize enough that this was a time when women weren't allowed to do astronomy. It wasn't like it was a new science where people didn't totally believe that uh, it required thinking and so women could do it. Um, They they knew that astronomy required thinking and brain power and so they wouldn't let women do it, but Caroline Herschel had proven herself uh, and so they they let her into these societies. Um, She died. Obviously, uh, she, she, she died. <laughs> she, she's not still alive. Um, she died of natural causes uh, on January 9th, 1848 at the ripe old age of 97. Mm-hmm. Uh, and over the course of her life, even though she was four foot three, she shattered many a glass ceiling. Uh, my favorite thing about this woman is that before she died, she, she was, knew she was going to be buried in a stone vault with her mother and father. She wrote the plaque that was going to go on that stone vault. And the plaque says, the gaze of the deceased while here below was turned towards the starry heavens. It goes on to talk about her accomplishments and it talks about how her father is buried there. It says nothing about her mother who is buried right underneath her and so this woman uh, as one final fuck you to her mother who had had condemned her to a life of ignorance and servitude condemned her to an eternity in an unmarked grave which is the best happily ever after I can possibly imagine (laughs) Uh, And so uh, just to to leave you with a bit about what Caroline Herschel was like, she was brilliant enough to shatter glass ceilings and break barriers in science. She was loyal enough to change careers just because her brother decided he didn't want to do music anymore. And she was petty enough to make sure her mother lived out an eternity in an unmarked grave. So she's the Cinderella that we both need and deserve. Um, Thank you.
0: That was the story of Caroline Herschel as told by Moya McTeer, Moya grew up in a log cabin without running water, and now she's an astrophysicist studying planets outside of our solar system. Quite the journey. Quite the journey. Um, And along the way, Moya became the first person to graduate with degrees in both astrophysics and folklore from Harvard University. Ever heard of it? (laughs) (laughs) She wrote a science fiction novel, and she found a passion for science communication. When she's not thinking about the universe, Moya spends her time reading fantasy books and cuddling with her cat, Cosmo. Oh, my God, adorable. You can follow her at GoAstromo. Heads up, her Twitter is a lot of badass space content, which we love. Caroline Herschel's story is the fairy tale that I really wish I had grown up with. She's such a
1: tough little badass who could also sing. I love. Molly, I took a page from your book and Googled Caroline Herschel gay, and the only thing I got was the story of the Crown Prince of England giving her a nosegay, which is still pretty rad. Okay, I have to admit, I truly have no idea what a nose gay is. It's like something um, nice-smelling that they would hold under their nose because everything back then smelled like poop. Oh, very fun. To make your nose feel gay, a.k.a. happy. Oh, God, okay. And a huge fan of ABBA. Wow. This is the thing I find so rad about Caroline's story. We see so, so many women who are silenced in their time. We've talked about, you know, 15-ish women. Mm -hmm. On this podcast so far, and maybe two of those women were given their due by their contemporaries. We definitely don't talk about Caroline enough today, but in her time, she was celebrated by goddamn royalty. She had a nosegay and a salary. <laughs> Both are pretty sweet. Houston, we have four, 401k. <laughs> And that nice feminist rant with a terrible joke.
0: We love that for her. And we love it for you guys. I'm still allowing Kylie to say anything she wants on this podcast because she's sick. (laughs) Um, We do love it for you guys. You got to hear the story of Caroline Herschel. Do we all feel changed? I know I do. Like we just took a trip around the sun. (laughs) It's very romantic. Um, So you know what? The next time you and your sweetheart are drinking beer on the back of a truck with a harvest moon hanging low in the sky. Molly likes country music. (laughs) Um, outed Uh, And you're there in the truck and you're looking up and you see a shooting star Think of Caroline And raise a glass to the four foot tall woman who changed the astronomy game forever To Caroline!
1: To Caroline and her country song that (laughs) we still need to write (laughs) Hey y'all
0: if you love this show and want to support us, please tell your friends. The more people who listen, the more we get to do this. And if you're near New York City at all, bring
1: them to our live show. Nevertheless, She Existed as a production of Caveat Media. It's produced by me, Kylie Holloway, and edited by Paula Pickering. Our executive producers are Kate Downey and Ben Lilly. Head to caveat.nyc for live shows, and coming soon, more podcasts. And if you like this podcast, please remember to hit that subscribe button and rate and review. Subscribe!